Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful. And we have much to be thankful for. Lord, you have given us a, 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 a contingent of people who are in their places. Uh, we give you thanks, Lord. We pray you keep our people. We pray that not one of them would, would leave this church not understanding what it means to be a Christian. Lord, we would have wasted our time if we haven't made our peace with God here. Lord, it is a place where the gospel goes forth all the time. And Lord, we are not ignorant. We know that the children of Israel heard the great Moses for 40 years. We know that the perfect preacher came and when he left a mere 120 people. Lord, we pray we will look at these things in the light of how we would view ourselves, that we would not be deceived. So be with the word of God, be with the preacher, be with the people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Peter 1, verse 13. I do not plan to go through First Peter, but I plan to bring a, a, a few messages from this New Testament book. Verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are changing from our regular survey of the Old Testament. I know some of you were looking for me to open Deuteronomy. We'll get back to that. We're changing this evening to a topical message. The birthmarks of the new birth. The birthmarks of the new birth, the Christian. First Peter is speaking of the subject being born again. He uses the phrase twice in the chapter. In verses 1 through 12, the apostle shared revelation concerning the subject. Then he concludes with the application beginning from verse 13 with the word wherefore. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apostle introduces the subject with an eulogy or a doxology in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lot of us like to talk about revelation, but many of us do not like the responsibility having received revelation. Revelation from God promotes adoration to God. Blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed is the word you get. The word eulogos means eulogy, to say good things about someone. You ever hear a bad eulogy? A person can live like Hitler, and you're given a good eulogy. We say good things about God. Many like doctrine, but not many want to incorporate doctrine with behavior. This is one of the problems at our church. Today we live in a culture that like to devaluate words. Many years ago, the word square was a good word. Used to hear about a square deal, a bargain. Today, the word square means that one is strange, out of touch. He's a square. The word gay used to be a good word. It's even found in the Bible. Today, one has to be careful when they use this word, gay. It has turned to be an ugly word. We devaluate words, even the word progressive. You hear them say, these dirty politicians, I hope you listen carefully. They don't, su they don't support our progressive values. What they mean is they are not on board with the LBTQ crowd. They don't agree with same-sex marriage. That's our progressive values. Even just recently, the Pope endorsed same-sex marriage. What do you think the world is coming to? A man that people look up to has joined the herd. Progressive. Progressive today means regressive. And you better wise up. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You better wise up. Just because you're black don't mean that you go along with certain people. I ain't a politician, but I ain't a fool. You need to stand up and be counted. We like to devaluate words. Words can mean anything but what they're supposed to mean. It is the same with the word born again. The word born again have lost its meaning, the phrase. Many people use the words today but do not understand what they're saying. Anybody can say they are born again. The phrase is misused and abused. People who once work in the entertainment district and move on to the corporate scene in Wall Street is said to be born again. Others in the church use this phrase because they join the church, a gathering. It's not how Peter is using this phrase here to Christians. 
To be born again is a New Testament terminology, but the new birth is not a new thing. Nicodemus became born again on the Old Testament side of the cross. Jesus wasn't crucified yet. Other synonyms were used in the Old Testament that is the same as being born again. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel said, I will give them a new heart and put my spirit within them. That is the new birth. Moses spoke of the new birth in Deuteronomy 30. Then he said, the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart to cause you to obey my word. That's the new birth. In the New Testament, to become born again is more clearly expressed in a life that comes from darkness to light. To be born again is a change from within that always manifests itself on the outside. Many people have found their way in the church and are not born again. There's no real change in their lives between them and their neighbor. Oh yes, our neighbors, we got um, some traits. We sweep our front from the water coming in. We, we keep our, our cars clean. We clean our backyard. We share meals. But we do not share the same spiritual values. And some of you ain't no different than your neighbor. You see it born again. We all should carefully consider this message this evening. That's why I change. Your congregation forces you to change your message. The Apostle Peter gives us at least three birthmarks in the lives of those who are born again in this epistle. I believe we should observe them well if we want to know if we have become born again. We should search the scriptures. First, Peter says a born again person has a new attitude of mind. Second, the ones who are born again is obedient to the will of God. Three, a person that is born again has a sincere love. I do not think the apostle can be any clearer on the subject born again. I believe Kutsi listened to these messages. He inquired about my stamina today, how I held up. He's all the way over there. To be born again affects three parts of a person's personality. It affects the attitude of mind, where one thinks differently. Second, to be born again affects the will. We are no longer bent on disobeying, but on obeying. But third, to be born again will affect the emotions. That's what repentance, metonia means. 
where we will love God and we will love the people of God. With these things absent, it means that we are not born again. The way how some people treat the leaders in this church and the people in this church tells me that they're not born again. And we are looking at the Lord's table. Yeah, we're looking at it. But these messages ought to prepare us for the ordinance. Yeah, I never have a perfect communion table. Jesus didn't have one. I don't expect to have one. But at least we must set the parameters clear. To be born again affects the emotions. So let us consider the first birthmark of a person who is born again by the Spirit. A person that is born again has a new attitude of mind. Verses 13 and 14. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What was our mind like before conversion? What was my mind like before I was born again? One, it was indifferent towards God. Peter uses the word vain. In verse 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation or conduct received by tradition from your fathers with the precious blood of Christ. Our conduct of living was vain. The word vain is translated aimless. Our lives were aimless. We had no target that we were looking at. That's what it means to be aimless. Just shoot an arrow in space. Aimless living. Hear what the psalmist says. Surely every man walks about in a vain show. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Think of the man in I think it is Luke chapter 12 that Jesus says, Fool, this night your soul. He was vain. I just quoted Psalm 39, 6 and 7. Our purposes in life were aimlessly selfish. Paul said in Romans 1 that the old nature is vain in its imagination and our foolish heart was darkened. We were indifferent towards God and his will. And some today are still indifferent. The way how they approach God, the way how they approach this church indifferently, the way how they approach scheduled stated meetings, indifferent. Vain people will be spiritually ineffective. And some of you like to gravitate to the vain people in this church. I watch carefully. 
Maybe you have to get along with everybody. You should pay attention to what I'm saying. People will be spiritually ineffective. They don't have anything profitable for us. They're vain. Oh no, not ineffective in the things of this world. There are many people in the world who have brilliant minds. They can do many useful things in this world. They can master the trade of science. They can be engineers and medical people, personnel. But they're not converted. They're not born again. They're indifferent towards God. Second, what was your state before you were born again? What was your mind like before conversion? It was ignorant. Peter calls us in verse 13 to be sober. In verse 14, he said, we were ignorant. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 18, before we were born again, we were ignorant. We had our understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of our heart. You ever tried speaking to someone in the church or even out of the church, but I mainly I'm speaking to the church about the things expected from them as a Christian and they have not a clue or understand what you are saying. It is as you are talking in a different language. It's a waste of time trying to get these people to do any spiritual good. You should stop casting your pearls before swine. They are ignorant. Sometimes you cannot even carry on a spiritual conversation with a church member because of ignorance. You're not born again. Thirdly, a person's mind before they became born again was one of indulgence. There was no limit to what we can do. There was no barrier stopping us from doing what we wanted to do. Is this you? Is this still you? There's no pastoral guidance in their lives. Is this you? Well, that's because you're not born again. Peter says in verse 14, part C, part B, not fashioning yourselves according to the formal lusts in your ignorance. Oh, the word lust is often associated with sex, but it can mean anything. Peter says it was fashionable for us to live in indulgence before salvation, to be with the in crowd. What was our mind before conversion? Indifference, ignorance. Indulgence. Me. This is me. 
Let me do what I want. Don't want to be restricted. But when a person has become born again, they will have a new attitude of mind. That's where it begins. It's like the man that was once demon-possessed, you may remember, who was found at the feet of Jesus, seated, clothed, and in his right mind. It's a picture. Again and again in the New Testament scripture, the scriptures say through the apostles to be of the same mind or let this mind be in you. This is the experience of those who are born again. The apostle said in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we, Paul include himself, the say of Corinthians, but we have the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ is to understand the things of Christ. The Bible the Lord has not left his children to guess at all. That's why you have teachers. So this is the first birthmark of the new birth. A born again person has a new attitude of mind. Point number two. A person that is born again has an obedient will. Verse 14. As obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. The hardest thing to get people to do today is to obey. Yet they tell you they are born again. They come here, Brother Colin. They'll tell you that. But somehow they can't obey. What would I do if I am not obeying God? I, I mean, I mean, on the outside, I, I, I'm not, I don't do it perfectly, but at least I strive to be obedient. That's a Christian. Miguel, obey the Lord. Teach your wife and your children. How would you like your little child begin disobeying you? My friend, if you cannot obey, this should tell you and me that we have a different father. There's no if on ands and buts about it. A born again child has a will to be obedient because we are no longer ignorant. I says a will. Does it mean that you wouldn't disobey? Romans chapter 7. That which I would, I do, I do not. That which I hate, I do. Paul is speaking about the struggle to obey. Don't worry to think that I'm. Don't think that I'm teaching perfect obedience. But you have a will. You want to obey. That's your nature. And if a person cannot obey. They're not born again. 
born again children has a will to obey. It is not hard to figure out sheep and goats in the congregation. Just because the preacher don't get up and say, hey, this one is a goat, this one is a goat. No. Jesus said, let them both grow together. That would be obnoxious to do that. I would run people away. But it is not hard to distinguish between a sheep and a goat. They have two natures. A sheep is easily led. A goat is ready to bark. They are in here. Goats. Jesus said to the Jews, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said unto you, Jesus pointedly said to the religious Pharisees, you're not my sheep. An obedient will is the key to one knowing if they're saved. I remember some time ago, Joshua sent me this question. Grandpa, how do a person know if they're saved? I don't know why he said this. I told you, I the answer. Come on, let us leave. But at least I give him the answer. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You want to know? Let me hear the answer. You should always have an answer for your children. Thank you, man, Grandpa. I still have the message on my phone. An obedient will is the key of one knowing if they're saved. Notice what Peter said in verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Notice what we have alongside of obedience. Grace. Peace. But what he says in verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto your unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. I'll get to this. In the last heading. Brethren, we will always have a hard time in a congregation with some individuals who are not born again because they do not have a new attitude of mind. They do not have an obedient will, brethren, deacons. It is not hard to figure out. An obedient will is a will and a desire to obey God. Children, the general, of, the general epistle of James 2 that I quoted, I have it written down. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. 
the, the truth, obviously, is the word of God. But the truth personified is Christ through his spirit that is in the believer. No person can keep the commandments to merit salvation. This is the mistake that the Seventh-day Adventists make. They are utter failures. That is not what the Bible teaches. But a person who is saved wants to be obedient to God's word. He does not equivocate when it comes to God's word. God says, jump, and he asks, how high? You ever tried, as I said, speaking the word of God? And people always seem to make an excuse and an alibi, equivocate why they cannot obey the word of God. It is because God hasn't granted them the will, the want to obey. A person that is born again has a new attitude of mind. A person that is born again has an obedient will. To put it another way, they have a will to obey. And thirdly, a person that is born again has a sincere love. Look back at verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Peter began the first part of this chapter with love in verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Love must be vertical before it can be horizontal. You know what I'm saying? You know what that big word vertical means? Horizontal. No, I help I'm helping people understand. You know, I want I want you to understand what I'm saying. That's why sometimes I call names, you know. I want to come down to you. Love has to be that way. One of the biggest tests of conversion today is not if a person loves God or if a person loves the, the Bible, but the biggest test today is if we love one another. That's the test. That's all it is. God tell us we can't see God. But we can see one another. No one can see God. But he who loves God will love the brethren. But how is this love expressed? Well, that's another matter altogether, because you might think it is expressed differently than how God says love is to be expressed. 1 John 4, 21, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love 
his brother also. And we struggle with this. We struggle with this. Peter uses the word fervent love. Paul uses the word sincere love. A love without disguise, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let your love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. That's love. Simple kindness. People will see you struggling and walk right over you. In the UK, there's a wax museum called Madame Tussauds. Passing front of it, never went in, but they tell me that the mannequins, and there are a lot of them in there, a lot of popular people, look real, but they're not. They're made from wax. That's why it's called a wax museum. And this is what the word without dissimulation means. Without wax, Tyler. Only a person who is truly born again can love someone sincerely because they desire the same salvation they have for others in the congregation. I remember one time we were in this mall, Carlinwood Mall, in Nepean, Ontario, up by my uncle. I think Dion was with us. You probably heard me talk about this already, Marcel, you probably didn't remember. She can't remember, but you're going to remember. This lady was in the show window with her feet lapped like this. This young lady. We were trying to figure out if this is a mannequin or if it is real. So I said, well, there's only one way you're going to find out. I'm going right now and pinch her leg. <laughs> Marcia, you remember, right? And I was like, wait, she did like this. I said, that should tell you don't do this job. Call in here. You see, she now remember. I don't forget anything. I thought, I, I said, this, this is a mannequin. This, this is a very good job they did. Let me see. <laughs> but you laugh. But some of us need pinching to see if we're real, or if we make a wax. That's why I refer to it. This woman was real. We must love sincerely. And when you love sincerely, you are driven to do things for the brethren. You want to do them. People have trampled all over me in this church. I have an announcement to make next week, but I'll tell you truth tonight. We love, we desire that we have these things, brethren. This is what the new birth is. 
to have a new mind, to have an obedient will, and to have a sincere love. Very simple, profound truths. Christians are the family of God. Peter uses words that describes a family. And sometimes we take off. Nobody know where we are. Nobody know where we're where, when we're coming. We are a family. You don't treat your family that way. It's terrible. We sick. I was drawing a reference to tonight. It's a big secret. Nobody knows what I have. Don't, don't tell the people at the church what I have. Don't tell them. Sat with us over the years, took communion with us. That's why I have a problem with this community thing, you know. Partake in the elements and get sick. Don't come and see me. I don't want you. What I got is for dogs. I'm going to the SPC. <laughs> That is not love. I hope you don't be like this. I hope we don't be like this. That's why I come in with these messages. We need to get down to these messages about who's born again. We are family. Verse 17, we call on the Father. We have a sincere love for the brethren. We are obedient children. This a word, these are words that infer family. And when we look at ourselves, we have the birthmarks of our parents. You don't have to ask if Colette is Doris' daughter. Whenever I look at her, I see you. I know we. I know we'll call it. God did it like that. Depot, you look at Depot, you see Miss Christie. You may wonder who I look like. Well, I'm not to call you, you know, my mom or my dad. I hear, hear Marcia say, You look just like your dad. I wish you would shut up with that. But children have birthmarks of their parents love, obedience. That's all I'm saying. Nobody is perfect. Let us not throw around the words born again. When we look at ourselves, we must have these birthmarks. Some favor more their dad than their mom. And by the way, of course, dad is one God, your mother is the church. one that is born again will have a new attitude of mind. It wouldn't be hard when I say to you, you know, you should be, it shouldn't be hard because we have the same mind. We have a will to obey and we have a sincere love for one another. I was telling Nigel this morning, Nigel, uh, you're doing very well, but I really miss you. Um, other, other um, services, but don't push yourself, you know. But I just want you to know I miss you. 
I had to tell him this because he might get complacent too. And think because I was sick, I, I, I'm limiting myself. Pastoral work never ends. I don't want you to, I don't want you to push yourself, but I need you to start considering other things now. Some of us can get so bogged down with that we forget the brethren. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Jesus' words didn't fall to the ground. They nailed him to a cross. It was all God's plan. They were of their father. They nailed him to a cross. Give me Barabbas. Crucify him. And that worked out for the salvation of your soul. Jesus used their hatred to show us love. Don't think that your hatred go unnoticed. God can use that too to show somebody else love. When a person is born of God, they will have the birth birthmarks of their heavenly father because they have become sons of God. So if you are struggling with these things, work on them because they are proofs. They are birthmarks that you are saved. If you don't have them, you should be beseeching God for salvation. I plan to visit more of these messages and forget the Deuteronomy survey. Let's pray. Yeah. Our Father, help us, help our wills to be conformed to your will, that we may be obedient children. Help our love to be without wax, to be real, that we would love each other. Help us, O oh God, to be useful in our community and to one another. Lord, we begin by giving you thanks for our people. And Lord, if we did not have a people, we couldn't have a church. But we love our people and we pray that you will show them Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.